Good day to you. This is Monday, February 14th, 2022. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is your daily scripture meditation. Um, a blessed um, Valentine's Day to you all as we are doing the... As we are celebrating um, Valentine's Day the way that you best can do... And since Valentine's Day is a day of love and especially focusing upon um, one of the, uh, which is also a celebration of one of the um, figures of the Christian faith, it is quite appropriate um, to be talking and reading the Word of God. And so we are going to be in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 beginning at verse 57 so let's get in jump into this so it says oops, scrolled a little bit too far there uh, sorry the uh, computer's giving me attitude okay all right there we go it says as they jesus and his disciples were going along the road someone said to him I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, <coughs> Foxes have holes and birds of the airs have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is kind of harsh and very difficult sayings. So there's two things we get to understand. First off is that what we're dealing here with is a very unique situation in that these people um, are talking specifically um, to Jesus himself. And we're not talking, we're talking about following him. They're talking about literally following him. But, and so we're not going to have a situation where we're going to have the opportunity to literally follow Jesus around everywhere. Not likely. But, it still carries in a very simple reality is we say well you know god i i would love to be able to spend time in your word you know i'd love to be able to go and tell my neighbor about your love about your gospel but i got this other stuff to do i have a really busy life you know i got this going on i got that going on i just don't have time and it's basically it's, it's an issue of priorities are you willing to give everything for Christ? And that's it. That's what he's telling you. Is if you are to follow him, if he is to be your Lord, your master, then that means he's going to demand all of you. Not some of you. He doesn't want to be seconds. He wants to be everything. Right? Now, does that mean you got to go quit your job? No. But it means that your job, you work at the job you work as service to him. 
does that mean that you, if you're retired that you cease to be retired and you got to go out and go to a mission field if you want if that's if that's what you feel called to do sure but that's not what you have to do it means that even in your retirement you are using it to serve god does that mean you can't take vacations and have moments of leisure no of course not you can do those things but understand that you're doing that again for the sake of the gospel so i mean that's why you know when i was a, as a pastor and one of the things we're always encouraged when we were in seminary we were really really strongly encouraged don't uh neglect your days off don't neglect your vacation and the reason is is because pastors can become a bit workaholics and it's because what we are doing is we know it's so precious so important that the word of god is regularly being delivered amongst our people but here's the thing that we are told and this is where and there's a point to what i'm getting here but what we're told is that when you don't take that time off when you don't take those vacations you for two things are happening one is you're communicating that you think that you're not expendable which means that you kind of have a little bit of an ego going there and you don't think that God could take care of things if you're gone for a little bit. But the other thing is, is that if you are tired, if you're burned out, if you're exhausted, you cannot give everything that you have. You cannot be as effective as you need to. You take time, so, so as pastors, we're told to take time off for the sake of the gospel. And so the same thing is for you is yes you could take leisure and you do take time off you go on vacations for the sake of what you do in your regular life so that way you could be more efficient and more effective in serving our god but everything you do everything you do is to be about serving him and that's what this is all about chapter 10 beginning at verse 1 after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever you house, whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town, they receive you, and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town, and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So this is a text that's actually dealing very much with the holy ministry. And so I'm going to focus, scroll backwards here a little bit. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Boy, is that ever 
true. Especially, even more so now. Right now, the United States of America, as you well as you know, for a very, very long time, Christianity has been the primary religion. Or at least, from all appearances, it has been the primary religion of this nation. Well, that is rapidly dissolving. Um, right now, the 20... I think it's like 25% of the American population is what part of the category of groups of people that are known as the religious nuns. N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. N-O-N-E-S, that means they are non-religious. And only a small portion of that is atheist or agnostic. The vast, that, that, the majority of that group is what they call the religiously apathetic. Very simply, they don't care if there is a god or not and that is growing rapidly fast meanwhile so the harvest is indeed plentiful and so you think boy we got we have abundance of laborers we have a lot of pastors no 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 we don't right every year about 300 pastors in the lutheran church missouri synod are retiring and in all those same years only 80 are coming out of seminary. So we have one-third as many entering into ministry as are retiring. You know, that isn't good. That tells you how dire the situation is. The, labor, the, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And yes, the job of the church is to provide for the pastor because yes the pastor is going to have to do these things so going back to this thing now this is a in part this could this passage which we hear 57 to 62 to some degree it is deal it is something that could be applied to anyone but on the larger scale this is even more so speaking to pastors because pastors know what it's like you know leave the dead to bury their own there are pastors that have not been able to be at funerals of family members because they have this duty they had to be at their church there are past um let me first say what farewell to those at my home one of the things is, is that we have to leave our homes and we go to a town that's unfamiliar and this passage in chapter 10 1 through 12 you know they're going to these communities and they are providing the house they're providing the food now they literally stay with members here now, we live in a different culture, a different economy, and so those things all play out a bit differently. But this is what missionaries do um, in, in other countries. They do these things. They stay with people that live there. And, and they're fed and they're cared for by the, con the community and the congregation. And it says, there, <clears throat> but some might not receive you. And yes, indeed. There are pastors that go to churches and they are very faithful in their teaching and their proclamation. And the church spit, chews them up and spits them out. And this is he's telling you exactly what you do, what a pastor is to do in such a situation. Is the dust of your own, your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, it's sometimes the pastor is the problem. That can happen, indeed, as well. And it definitely has happened. 
Sometimes it's the congregation, sometimes the pastor, sometimes it's both. So, but this is um, all about ministry. But let's keep going here. It says, verse 13, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So again, this is kind of this, in a we, in this... Now, we don't have the situation where we've um, literally seen Jesus doing the things that he did. So we're not quite in that same boat. But we definitely have blessings as Americans. We, I mean, we live in this country. Right now, I'm recording this for Facebook, which is going to social, it's on social media for literally anybody in the world that could listen to it and watch it. You know, we have we we have church service, and I have no. I'm not hiding who I am. I'm not doing like a blackened screen to disclose where I'm living and doing these things. You know, I go. We go to church, and we op we openly worship. We have a sign making very clear where we are at. We're not hiding. We have the Bible at our access constantly. This phone. If I wanted to, this little device, I could access the entire Bible in any language. And I could read countless thousands upon thousands of commentaries based upon that passage and know it in incredible depth just on this little device. You remember the whole thing of the Reformation? Nobody had the Bible in, English, in, in their own language. No one. It was scandalous when Luther translated it into German. And even then, they didn't have all the manuscripts, and so it was had some issues. And that's a kind of a conversation for another day. But the point is, it's, they would have loved to have the access to the scriptures that we do. And how well do we take advantage of it? How much do we relish the word of God that is readily available to us without fear of persecution. And how often do we take it for granted? I feel like Jesus could say to us, Woe to you, church in America. For the generations before you had the word of God so readily at access like you do. It would have been, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. We take much for granted, don't we? Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Note, don't go try to hold scorpions or serpents, all right? 
understand that serpents and scorpions is kind of lingo to speak of demons. Not literal serpents, not literal ser scorpions, alright? Um, in this moment. Now granted, if God wants you to, maybe he would let you survive that, but don't go putting God to the test, alright? But, that verse 20, rejoice not in the wonders that God has done that you are able to do, but instead rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And that should be constantly our rejoicing. Not be like, look at God, look what I did. I mean, sometimes it's good to be humbled by it and appreciative that God has allowed you to be part of this. But don't be careful not to brag. Rejoice, rejoice. That you're a child of God. Verse 21. In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Oh, boy, could that be said to us. Now, it's, my reading schedule says to start Stop right in the middle of the next reading, and I'm not going to do that. So we're going to stop right there. We're not going to go into verse 25, um, because I'm not going to read halfway through the good parable of the Good Samaritan. We're going to read that in its entirety. So um, we're going to stop right there, and we'll pick up again on Wednesday in Luke. So um, let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would lead, though the, har the harvest is plentiful, we pray that you would lead laborers, lead pastors into your harvest, open the hearts of individuals around our country and around our world to seek the office of holy ministry, that your harvest field may be filled, and that your word may abound. And may we not take for granted the word that is so freely proclaimed to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in his peace. Amen. God bless and enjoy your Valentine's Day.